This is a Federal News Network podcast. Federal employees are less than a week away from their vaccine deadline. The largest federal employees union has asked the White House for an extension. The American Federation of Government Employees says federal workers should have the same deadline as their contractor colleagues, which is now January 12th. And a federal district court declined to block the federal vaccine mandate for employees last week. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco joins me now to run through the latest on this federal vaccine mandate for both employees and contractors. And Nicole, let's start with that request from federal employee unions. Is it all of them or one big one? Who is it and what do they want? Well, so far, Tom, we've heard from the American Federation of Government Employees, which was the first of the unions to kind of put a flag out there and ask the White House to uh, essentially delay the vaccine mandate deadline for federal employees. And AFGE is the largest federal employee union, so that is notable. And in a letter to OPM, OMB, and the White House uh, COVID-19 coordinator, AFGE says that having two deadlines, one for federal contractors and one for federal employees, is confusing and unfair. The union goes on to talk about how these two groups of people often work side by side. And uh, to quote the letter, Setting different compliance deadlines for employees vis-a-vis contractors is both harmful to morale and substantively unjustified. Again, this comes from AFGE National President Everett Kelly. It should be noted, Tom, that federal contractors have gotten multiple dates now at this point to comply with the federal vaccine mandate. The Biden administration pushed back the original December 8th deadline for contractors to essentially what is really January 18th. And they had previously used a January 4th date. That January 4th date marks when you actually physically need to get the shots and then wait two weeks, which brings you to January 18th. And that is a point that the administration clarified last week. We'll also note that the National Federation of Federal Employees also wrote to the Office of Management and Budget last week and said, you know, we think an extension might be a good idea too. And in fact, they asked the administration to maybe consider bringing back testing into the equation, which is not part of this executive order for federal employees. They go on to say that agencies, in their mind, haven't quite figured out how they're going to enforce this mandate. They say that is causing employees to become anxious. They're wondering when agencies are going to review those exception requests. And so they think more time would help with that. And what about all of these lawsuits that are challenging the federal employee mandate? I guess there's some in the private sector also, but these ones challenging the federal vaccine mandate, any headway on any of them? So there are several lawsuits. We recently did a roundup of three of them. That's not an exhaustive list. There are others out there. Two lawsuits were filed in the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia. One came from a group of 18 civilian employees and two active duty service members. They sued the administration over the mandate. They describe a variety of constitutional arguments, and they asked for preliminary injunctive relief from the mandate in late October. All 20 plaintiffs in this particular case requested religious exceptions from the mandate. And so the judge in this case denied that request for temporary relief, essentially saying that because the administration's policy is that 
While any exception request is pending, employees won't face disciplinary action. Therefore, it's not necessary for her to grant emergency relief in this particular case. Interestingly enough, the judge on this one also goes on to talk about some of the public safety implications of the mandate, which might signal how this judge might rule in further proceedings uh, in you know, looking at the merits of this particular challenge here. So that's one of them. Yeah, it's hard to tell whether a judge is asking the questions because that's how they're leaning or they want to make sure that what they thought on the opposite side is justified and they're testing their theory. And then the plaintiffs, what are they saying here? So again, this was an opinion essentially blocking or denying the plaintiffs a chance to, um, you know, get immediate relief from this mandate. So the judge has the last word on this. At least at this point, it sounds as if the government attorneys and the plaintiffs are figuring out their next steps. I'll bring up another lawsuit or two. A second case also filed in D.C. That one involved 30 federal employees and contractors. Again, sued in D.C., came from a wide variety of agencies, and they also asked for emergency relief from the mandate. And the judge in this particular case said that the employees and contractors failed to show irreparable harm. Uh, And so she also denied a chance to... um, grant, you know, immediate relief to this particular order. And then another lawsuit we're filing actually comes from uh, the AFGE Council representing Bureau of Prisons employees. And I think this case is notable just because of where it comes from. So AFGE, the national office has said, look, we don't see a viable legal path forward for challenging this particular mandate. They have told their members that they've encouraged their members to get vaccinated although they believe that agencies should bargain with them over this particular mandate. And so it's notable to see a council of AFGE suing on its own accord, uh, challenging this particular mandate. I asked AFGE if that meant that its opinion or position on the mandate had changed, and it said no. And so this lawsuit is also, I think, worth attention for now, although there hasn't been a ton of activity on this one. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco, thanks for that update. Thanks, Tom. Be sure to check out all of her stories at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the President and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything, and it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Uh, 
And then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life, and um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style, and how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con- consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Um, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up. uh, Make decisions. uh, Do what you think is right. And you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, 
his his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to to spend an assignment with uh, with backup and and guidance like that. What what great great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters uh, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon, uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, And I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons and in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And and, uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, During my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler, and to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast. We'll see you next time. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.